First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. If you played enough sports at one time or another, you're probably going to sit on the bench. Not a fun place to be, not an easy place to be especially with your family there, your friends there, all to see your talents and your abilities, all the practice that you put in, but you're on the bench. Might be a few reasons why you're on the bench. Maybe you just don't feel well that day. Maybe you're being disciplined. Maybe you're just not that good. But sitting on the bench, not an easy place to be because you're not helping your your team and you're not getting any better. In the kingdom of God, there is no bench. At least there's not supposed to be a bench. You're in the game once you become a believer. And nobody or nothing can take you out of that game. But the game is played on the field. And sometimes we have a tendency to stand on the sidelines and be a fan instead of being on the field. Sometimes we get on the field, but we do ministry in our own strength and do not rely on God's plan or God's timing. There's a verse that reminds us of that. It's 1 Peter 4.10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 reminds us of the why here and also of the rewards. Work willingly in whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But I don't think you'd have a hard time agreeing with me that we're much closer to the return of Jesus than we were last year. But then again, we could say that every year. But 2020, more challenging, definitely more difficulties. But remember that the Lord will give you what you need. When the pastors meet together, we're not really surprised at what's going on right now in this world, but at the speed that it is happening, which makes God's words all that much more important this morning. So turn with me, if you will, to our main passages today in Mark chapter 6. We'll be in 7 through 13. Mark 6, 7 through 13. Let's read those together. And he called the twelve to himself. And he began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff no bag, no bread, no copper in their, in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Verse 10, also he said to them, And whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place, and whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out, they preached that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, I know that you are also trying to do with us what you did with the disciples. And I just praise you and thank you for the patience that you have with us. So many times we try to do things in our own way and strength and timing and and it might succeed for a moment, but then we realize we did it our own way and not your way. Help us to see in the scriptures today, Lord, how loving you are and how many lessons that you will give us until we get this right. Lord, I just praise you that we can meet together today, our brothers and sisters together, just praising you and glorifying you as, as, as one voice lifted up to you. And because there's so many churches that, that are not able to do that. And so we just want to pray for those also right now, Lord, that, that are not allowed to come and meet or, or in the court system right now, trying to be able to meet, Lord. And so we're just uh, once again thankful for that and pray that the words that you want to speak to us today are very plain and that uh, we receive them with our heart. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and look at the first mission trip, very first mission trip of these 12 disciples and see how Jesus' instructions for them are also his instructions for his 21st century church. These instructions were for a specific mission trip, a specific mission trip, which was ordained by God. But they're also in principle, valuable instructions for how God wants us to be on mission, to be ready to answer the call of the Lord in our lives. So let's see what the Lord is trying to teach these disciples and how well that they received this mission. Look in the 6-7 there, the, the, the first half of that verse. So 7a, he summoned or, or called the 12 and began to send them out. So I think this bears the question of you know, what... What are the, the, what are the qualifications to be in God's mission? Well, they are the same qualifications that these 12 disciples had as they are for me and you. To be a part of God's mission, we must be prepared to follow Christ and have a willingness to obey. That's it. Nothing more. Jesus didn't pick out these 12 because of their all-star abilities or because of their talents. What qualified them was Jesus' call to follow him and their willingness to obey. When they report back to Jesus in, in 630, we'll look at that in a, in a minute, but when, we, uh, when they report back to him, this is, uh, this is the only time in the Gospel of Mark that Mark refers to them, to the 12, as apostles. The word apostle means to be sent out, and that is exactly what Jesus is doing with these 12 disciples. Look in 7b there. It says, and it began to send them out two by two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. Well, there are four reasons why the Lord sent them out two by two. First reason, fairly obvious, was just to protect each other from the robbers or the the bandits or or the wild animals. Second thing that we see here is, is because of companionship and encouragement. These disciples are going to be going into these villages and, and, uh, creating quite a stir. They're going to go up against some opposition. They're going to be having to deal with spiritual warfare because the enemy's not going to be happy with what their, what their mission is, what they're being called to do. So a companionship and, and uh, encouragement is important. Third reason why the Lord sent them out two by two is the second person lends credibility, an important consideration when sending disciples out to bear witness for Jesus. 
And the fourth reason, a partner fosters accountability. A person is less likely to succumb to temptation when accompanied by a partner. So here we go. We have six teams of two. And before they head out, though, the Lord has just a a little bit more instruction for them. And we see that in verses 8 and 9. He commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Well, these necessities for this journey are identical in Exodus as they are here in Mark. In Exodus, the Lord was teaching them that the Passover had to be eaten in faith of deliverance. Here in Mark, he's teaching these disciples to have total and complete trust in him. There was a direct tie-in to what Pastor Scott preached last week in Deuteronomy. God is limiting what he wants him to take, and it is explained why here in the same passage that Scott used last week in Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 4. Let me read that for you. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. This is the main message that Jesus is trying to teach the Israelites in in the wilderness, trying to teach the 12 disciples here in Mark, throughout the, pretty much the entire book of Mark, and of course that he is also trying to teach us. He is trying to teach us to trust in him. Jesus says, I will provide for your needs. Your strength will come through me and not of yourself. Charles Spurgeon, a great pastor of old, said, God never takes away something from your life without replacing it with something better. Jesus wants to give them a faith, a faith that will stand up to these trials that are soon going to be coming their way. And for those of us with faith in Christ, wouldn't you say that it's been a lot easier to go through this pandemic knowing that Christ has our backs, that Christ is there with us? He continues to tell me over and over again, this is not my home. Scott, don't worry. This isn't your home. I have a place that's, 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 that's ready for you. Well, we'll see a little later the mission. It, it was a success. You know, the, the, the disciples got out there. They, they preached repentance. They, they healed people. They, they drove out demons. But it was not a success for a spiritual growth that the Lord wanted to see in these 12 men. And just maybe that is what the pandemic is all about for a test or, or a trial of his people. How much are we going to trust in him in something like this that none of us have gone through and, and very few people even in the entire country or world? Verse 10 here. Also he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. Now why did he say this? A couple purposes. First one is that this, this prevents bad feelings among hosts who might be embarrassed if they leave their house for better accommodations. Uh, and you can imagine the disciples coming in and uh, causing quite a stir and, and their popularity rising quite quickly, just like Jesus. 
right? They got, they got authority. They have power to heal people and to drive out demons or preaching God's word. So you can imagine this is going to attract uh, some other people that want to latch on to their popularity or, or their fame. Second reason there of what the Lord is warning him here, he says, is because this prevents the disciples from being distracted by the concern of their own physical comfort. And so I can imagine just a, a conversation between a couple of the disciples going something like this. Hey, I had somebody just uh, offer us a place on the beach over here. Says that they have the whole, the whole orchard of, of fig trees, 12 different varieties, raising cakes all day, every day. And they even have the Gladiator TV. You know, very tempting there. Big distraction. So, so Jesus giving them some wisdom on how to stay true to the mission. Verse 11 here. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Well, when the disciples shake the dust off from an unreceptive village, they are declaring that village pagan, announcing God's judgment on that village. Very strong, stern warning, pretty much saying that there's going to be less pain here for Sodom and Gomorrah than this village or city that rejects you. You know, their responsibility is faithful proclamation and not success. Faithful proclamation, not success. Verse 13, and they cast out many demons, and they anointed oil with many who were sick, and they healed them. So they do these wonderful things, right? And they do it in Christ's name, but they do it with the wrong heart. They think too highly of themselves. And we get that first clue of that in 630, chapter 6, verse 30, so a few verses down. It says, then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things both what they had done and what they had taught. So do you see who they gave credit to? Themselves, what they had done and what they had taught. A.W. Tozier, former pastor, author, he says, God may allow his servant to succeed when he has disciplined him to a point where he does not need to succeed to be happy. The man, the man who is elated by success and is cast down by failure is still a carnal man. At best, his fruit will have a worm in it. It's warning us here, be careful of a prideful heart to think that these miraculous things are happening because of us. So the disciples, they, 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 they go where Christ tells them to go. They do what Christ tells them to do. You know, they're not great men, but they accomplish great things and even though their, their fruit might have some worms in it. The problem is, once again, they think that they accomplished these things on their own strength and not God's. You know, they've spent a, a, a year, maybe two years with Jesus up to this point. So that, you know, so it's understandable. They still have a lot of lessons to go, and, and we do too. You know, it's a hard lesson to learn, but Jesus has the love. He, he has the patience to keep on teaching them until they get it. No different than how God teaches many of our stubborn hearts also. So here comes. Here comes the same lesson, different circumstances, 
in the feeding of the 5,000. After this last mission trip where the Lord sends them out two by two, the disciples, are, they're very tired. They, they needed a break. They needed to just get away for some, some rest. And Jesus could see that, so he's taken away to have a little time alone. But the crowds found them, and the ministry goes on. Let me pick up this story in 635, 35 through 37. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go get uh, something in the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, Jesus said is, he says, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Did you hear where the the hearts of the disciples were? Send them away, they said. Let Let them deal with their own hunger themselves. Even though they had this miracle worker right next to them, I believe they thought that this miracle worker, Jesus, was just for these 12 disciples and not for the rest. You can see Jesus saying that with a little bit of sarcasm, can't you? Since you guys did all this miraculous stuff not too long ago, you guys take care of them. You guys go ahead and feed them again. I'm just going to sit back and watch this. Have a good time watching you go ahead and feed them. Same lesson, different day. Jesus, trying to teach them to trust him completely. And the only reason they have any power, any authority, is because of him. Next lesson. Jesus immediately sends him into a storm. He heads up on the mountain to, to, to pray for him. He knows what he's sending them in. He knows they need this lesson. It's another difficult lesson. He wants to see how they're going to handle it. We look at that in verse 48. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. Well, what is that? Would have passed them by? I don't quite get that. Well, we see that again in Luke 24, 28 on the road to Emmaus. Maybe you remember that story. The, the disciples talking about what's happening, been happening in, in, in Jerusalem. And, and Jesus, after his resurrection, shows up and tries to comfort them and, and console them with the Old Testament. And Scripture goes on to say that he would have kept walking had the disciples not invited him in for a meal. Praise the Lord, they did. Their lives will never be the same. Jesus, he must be invited into our lives. He's not going to bully his way into a relationship with us. We must be willing. We must see our desperate need for him and invite him into our lives. It's just another lesson of of trusting in Jesus and understanding where our strength comes from. Now look at, at, at 651 and 52 here. This is very telling. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Now, why was their heart hardened? Because they had confidence in their own abilities, their own strength and wisdom, and not Christ's. Still a few more lessons for them to learn. Flip over a couple of chapters, chapter 9, we see the 
uh, transfiguration take place where the Lord takes James, John, and Peter up on the mountain with him, leads the other nine disciples in the valley, right? Maybe you remember the story of the, the boy that had this real nasty demon inside of him and they couldn't, they couldn't exercise this demon from this boy and, and Jesus comes down on the mountain, saves the day of the hero once again and, and uh, rescues this, this young man. And then the disciples a little bit later on ask Jesus, hey, you know what, what happened there? What was the story? Why, why could we not drive this demon out? And Jesus says, because you have not fasted and because you have not prayed. And what he's basically saying is you're not walking close to me. You're doing things your own way and in your own strength. Not too far after that, right? The, the disciples start arguing, who's going to be the greatest? Still not getting it. Still need a few more lessons. You know, they're in the game. These disciples are even on the field. But they're playing by their own rules. And the only rules that were bringing success is to do it Christ's way. Do not make the Bible say what you want it to say so you can pretend like you're following Christ when you're really playing by your own rules. When we're playing by Christ's rules, then a real Christian longs to do more. A real Christian church longs to do more. And I believe we see that here at First Baptist. Have you seen how many ministries we have here at First Baptist, Melbourne? I was looking out the other day, like five pages, small, like 10-point type, right? Just tons of awesome ministries. We're building buildings. We have a couple of, of ministry houses across the street. We're planting churches. We are strong mission and discipleship-oriented church. Terrific, right? Oh, it absolutely is. It's awesome. But what if we start to pat ourselves on the back? What if we start to do things our way? Start saying, mine, mine, mine. Or, or we stop praying or we stop meeting. Well, then we stop growing spiritually. Though the Lord will continue to chisel and give us lessons because he is faithful. So what is he calling you to do? You know, we had first family the other day and just 42 friends going around the room, just introducing themselves. And, and the reason why I always say it's such an exciting time and, and I was just praising the Lord because you can just look around that room and see all the different gifts and abilities and talents that the Lord is bringing to this church. And Scott always reminds us, he says that uh, the next ministry is just waiting for you to create it. And that's true. A lot of these new ministries here in this church is from uh, people that are being called to be members here and to rise up new ministries and new ways of reaching people, new ways of serving people. So where is your life right now? Are you in the game? In other words, are you a follower, a believer of Christ Jesus? Have you made him your Lord and Savior? Well, if you're not in the game, then a lot of this probably doesn't make sense. It reminds me of a story that a number of years ago is to our small group went out to serve this, this man that didn't know Christ. He had his own commercial nursery and was getting up there in age, struggling a little bit to keep it, keep it up. And we went over there and pulled weeds and 
threw out things that needed to be thrown out and made the aisles, cleared them so customers could walk up and down the aisles and, and uh, just, you know, trying to reach this man through service. I had one of my family members that didn't know Christ at this time give me a call and say, hey, what y'all doing? Hey, come on over. Help us out. Shows up and could not understand why we were doing this for free. Couldn't understand why we weren't getting $200 trees to, because of the work that we were doing here. So we're out in the back working and all of a sudden I noticed him talking to the owner, filling his truck with $200 trees. Just didn't get it. Put a dark cloud on the entire day. Just didn't understand that our heart changes after Christ takes over. You know, for those that are in the game but are not on the field, I ask you to start praying about how you can use your gifts for Christ's glory. But we must never forget that we have to rely on Jesus through the entire game. We have to play by his rules. And that's how we win. And that's how the gospel flourishes. You know, look what Christ did with these 12 disciples, right? They finally got it. They finally learned to trust and they set the world on fire for Christ. And I know that that's what he wants to continue to do with us here in Melbourne. And we have a very challenging year coming up in 2021. And, and I believe that's why the Lord put this on my heart to speak to you about it today. Because there's going to absolutely be opposition as we start this new building. Now, there are uh, many other types of ministries that you'll hear about very soon that are starting. The opposition is going to come after us. And when we start to work or we continue to work, we must remember to do it in His strength, in His power, for His glory. It's a lesson that's not always easy to get. But we do things together, remind each other gently about this. We're going to have another great year. So today, let's get this right. Let's make sure that we're going forth together in Christ's power, His strength. We'll come out on the other side, just like the disciples did. Faith is like heroes, right? Willing to die for their faith at the end. These guys were arguing not too long ago, right, about who's the greatest and all those other things we talked about seem very foolish compared to where they were. Heroes of the faith. That's exactly what he wants to do with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's a, a lesson that took quite a while to teach these disciples and no different in our lives. I can think of lesson after lesson after lesson of you just teaching me and just being so stubborn, Lord, and yet you so faithful. And so I pray that you work in all of our lives this year. Our church that, that uh, stands atop the mountain like a, like a bright light and just continues to attract people for your glory. I have a busy year coming up. So we need even more of your power and your strength. And I pray that you just continue to remind us to do it through you, by your rules, and for your glory. We pray this in your name.